Welcome to Creative Junk. Today I'm joined by motion designer and creative juggernaut, Mr. Eric Ravaglia. Thanks Hello. For, thanks for coming on, Eric. Thank you very much for having me, Rob. No. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man, happy to have you. So I think we're going to just jump into maybe a, a podcast cliche at the moment. Oh, of, yeah. Um, What's that? You know, were you creative as a kid or how did you get into this industry or how have you found yourself over here in Edinburgh being a motion designer freelance? So what was the initial starting point for you? <laughs> well now that is a question and a half um where do i start let's start from the beginning <laughs> so when i was when i was young when i was really 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 small i always liked to play with do you know like the gi joes little toys you know and the more the more um you could move on the legs and the arms and the more you could play with it right and the more stories you can create because some of it you couldn't bend their legs you couldn't bend their arms so i was always very keen on getting the ones that you can swivel the most and then um, i always i spent loads of hours when i was young just in my room creating stories with these toys and i think that's what like that was my first um real passion really i've spent so much time and then when i when i when i discovered the ninja turtles you know that was a complete new world, you know. Like this, these are turtles. They fight and they swivel like crazy. So I remember I wanted them all. I wanted all the toys. And plus, my mom is an artist, so I grew up with uh, drawings everywhere, drawing pens, uh, colors, oil painting. My mom loved oil painting, so every time I smell oil paint, for me, it's like it's like this time machine that go like boom and take me all the way back to when i was like a wee boy and seeing my mom painting on this uh, big canvases at home and um, that's the way i grew up really so like i grew up surrounded by artistic pieces and then i grew up making stories with my toys all day every day i did that for instance like i didn't like legos so much because for me they were so limited because you know you could build things with legos but i always felt like I wanted something built already so that I could play, I could put my characters in it instead of having to build it from scratch. I always had this thing. So like for me, probably that stuck with me a little bit. But like I think that as a, as a young boy, I think that's what I really enjoyed. And, and that sort of stuck with me <laughs> growing up. Like for me, stories have always been very interesting. And when I was growing up in Italy, Sadly, I got stuck in a school that I really didn't like. I wanted to learn languages, but I was a lazy guy. I didn't want to get, I didn't want to wake up at six in the morning every day to go to school, you know, because the school I wanted to go was like miles away. And my parents were a bit apprehensive about it. So like I decided to go to a school just around the corner, which was a school that taught you all about business and, and how to run um, the numbers. Basically, it was an accounting school. My dad was an accountant, so I was like, um, I decided to go to that school, not because I wanted to become an accountant, um, uh, not because I have anything against my dad's job, bless you dad, but uh, I think it's because I wanted to learn um, law, because in that school you could learn the base of uh, Italian law and business law, because I was very interested in becoming a lawyer for some reason. I always liked to talk and I thought, you know what, I can do this as a job. So I went to this school and I ended up... Um, doing fine I was like kind of a middle of the road uh, student but that's you know like it all comes around full circles because at that school I got introduced to drama and I started learning drama at school 
because uh, it was one of the you know one of the extracurricular activity you could do and their drama courses were really good because they used to get people that were affirmed in the field so they would get like actors that had like already plays in rome and and, and they would just they get them in to to teach us and you know at the time you didn't really realize but i i discovered this love of being on stage being in front of everybody and, and like you know perform and i was like blown away by it so for a while with my very background uh, of making stories and, and living into this crazy creative world that my mom created around me i started like <clears throat> imagining a life as an actor or in the in the creative industries um, and after i finished school um after my final exam in, in high school which is like it's crazy intense in italy um as i'm sure it is here but like as an intense emotional experience i went off to uni to study to become a, f a movie director and a scriptwriter and all the basically is is an, an uh, is a degree that allow you to study the basics of everything and then you can you know you can just decide i want to focus more on script writing so you do more creative writing and you study the histories of movies and, and 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 scripts and so that you can learn the craft or you could go in a more practical way you can make more uh, shorts and, and and like i started i tried I try to do both and that was pretty much like what got me started into the whole craziness that is the creative industries and and in, the, in italy it just is a lot about who you know how you know it this is it's not like meritocracy is not really a thing and coming from a very uh, detached background i was i grew up in a council house so i didn't know anybody in the industry whatsoever i had no no way of ever having a break in the, in the business so like i started writing uh i started script writing with a friend of mine and we wrote like crazy for a couple of years and although we, we always seemed like we, we might we might get a chance because he he was already his wife was already working in the industry and uh, she was a, she was very popular in her field and she was um, a makeup artist and and, uh, and um, a stylist very popular in her, uh, in her field and he was older than me of course and we just clicked as a duo and we started writing like crazy but we never really got anywhere and it was very it was very like it was soul crushing you know it's hard it's a hard business to get in but it never felt like we ever we had a real shot at it and it, it was sad in a way but also it was it, it, it was a good turning point realizing that you know you either take your life in your hands so to speak and do you, you become more proactive or you just get stuck waiting for somebody to help you out it's never going to be a thing ne no one is going to ever fishing fish you out of the toilet <clears throat> you gotta you gotta crawl your, your way out and then um find your luck really so so essentially it all started from from storytelling so storytelling with kit uh with, yeah. with toys and then moving on to more contemporary storytelling but it's always that that thread of you enjoy yes. stories performing performing is another way of telling stories as well and it's interesting when you're saying that um you came from this background where you didn't have many connections in the industry and um, you didn't know too many people so there was no direct opportunity for you to i don't know maybe go into a certain area but what made you make the jump to edinburgh where you would have that again but then not be in your home country or not be with your family you'll be in that kind of that point of isolation again but just 
maybe worse. What was the what, what made you do that? What made you leave Italy? Once upon a time, I was the the manager for a a mobile shop. So you sell mobile phones, and I remember. I I was I was very um, focused on writing and script writing and getting better at the craft. And that job was, was great because I needed money to survive, you know. And, like, Italy being in Italy, it's not like you could leave your parents. So I was still leaving my parents. I was 20, 23, 24. And I was not really happy. Like, nothing really fell into place. So it was just plain boring in a way. And I was so unhappy. And, and I, I was into that, <clears throat> into that um, frame of thoughts where, like, you know, having... A new car is important having like you know signed uh, sunglasses is important you know wearing certain type of things was important because that's kind of like what you get sucked in if you're not careful in that kind of environment so when you come from like a poor background and i figured out i started making a bit of money because i was the manager in the shop and i was making enough and i was living with my parents so although i was helping out i wasn't even helping out that much and and i, I just like i was in my early 20s with all this money and and i I just started spending it stupidly, you know, for things that didn't matter. So, like, that made my life even worse because I figured out, I realized that it's just that it was making me unhappy. So, when I was working in this shop one day, uh, a person comes in and this, this it was, a, it was um, an elderly woman and she, <laughs> she was organizing events in the industry. Like, she was connected with the... Um, um, the opera in Rome and she was just organizing a number of events for like high class events and she needed a PA and I was looking for something new to do and, and I found it very interesting I was like you know what whatever let's just try it see how it goes so I, I, I what happened is I basically helped her out with her phone a couple of times and then we started talking and and she just wanted to give me a chance and I was like okay cool I'll come I'll do this so I'll do it free and while I was working and I started seeing a whole side of things I had, I was not familiar with. And she was great because she really broke me out of the cocoon. Started make me, she made me realize that certain choices were not helping me in the long term. You know, and it's like if you're not, if you're unhappy, you kind of need to get uh, moving. You need to try and fix things. And like I think it was a hard, it was a hard lesson to learn, especially once. I mean, that was a crazy ride, and. I learned so much from those six months working with her until she said, okay, now I need you to go to Edinburgh because I'll have to do some work in Edinburgh. So I need you to go see some people, uh, organize a place for me to come and I, I'm going to need to finish some stuff here. So off you go. I went, I came to Edinburgh. I was supposed to stay away for two months. Um, so I came here and I just fell in love with Edinburgh. You know, it was a sunny day. Get that in June. And I was just blown away. I remember I was staying <clears throat> in South Clark Street, you know, in a friend's box room. And uh, I remember the first, I arrived the midnight day before. And I, you know, I couldn't really take it in as I was tired and the, the flight was delayed. And, and the morning after I woke up and I, I've seen Edinburgh and all this beauty. I remember getting on a bus from South Clark Street to Brunswick Road on, in, in Leith. Well, in Leith. Um, top of Leith Walk and I remember just like being blown away so I went to this meeting with a photographer for some work that was supposed to do in the future 
came out and like went for a walk and that walk was it you know i went i remember like coming up at least street right and then you you come up in the west end is that the west end or the east end i think it's the east end yeah coming up the east end and i was like completely blown away so you know you can see the castle you can see the the shops and and i decided to stay so that's what took me to edinburgh and then i decided to stay in edinburgh because i needed a change so badly so badly that i was ready to take it and i realized that i could i could maybe have a shot in a place where if you work hard you get rewarded and that's not always the case in italy so i was like okay what can i do here and by chance, a couple of months later, I met this man. And I was working, I was working nights, all night at the airport. I was cleaning bathroom at the airport. This was 08. And during the day, sometimes I would help at the Italian Institute. So I needed people to just help out with the, the exhibitions, take them down, clean, repaint, whatever mm-hmm. needed. And they were so kind to me and I got really friendly with them. And I remember they took me over they, they, they just said come over to the exhibitions it's fine you know don't worry just come and meet people and this I met this guy random one day that was, was I was going around the exhibition and he goes he starts talking and he said oh you know my son is doing an animation at uni and I was like I never it never really crossed my mind to go back to uni and he was like oh yeah yeah you know it's very easy here you know there is SAS you can get to uni for free and I was like what excuse me so yeah but you know if you can apply you get you they pay you tuition if you're european and you can go to uni you can learn whatever you want and i was like can i go to uni and he was like well look it's early august clearing is in in two weeks or something like that and he started talking about how his son is lo- was loving doing animation in barmouth and how good the school was and you know barmouth was a good school uh, it's still is a good school for animation and that like i like a light bulb goes off in my head and I went back to uni I went for cleaning I remember like getting in touch with Napier University and they had this new course it was just starting they had a couple of years and and I just applied spoke to the to the program leader and they got me in touch with the head of school and I, I they were like Napier was amazing they were really understanding they realized I had really so much will to do stuff and they gave me a chance they said okay come over I'll see you see how you get on and I decided to start from second year they wanted me to start from third year because I was ready I had already a degree but like I said no 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 I want to start from scratch and he said no don't do the first year because the first year is not going to do you anything just do the second year in terms of like the first year is for people to understand what they want to do I knew already what I wanted to do so and uh, that's it wow so it's really like whew. very condensed but yeah yeah it's like jumping in the middle of period that kind of thing like take a take a chance on yourself and the universe will almost yeah will help you in certain ways won't do all the work for you but you need to at least jump into it yeah i mean i'm always of the idea that um help yourself and then you know like you'll get help if you help yourself so it's like um at the time i desperation was i just i was so eager to show the world that i could do it that um i i just i had so much energy in that respect you know like for me there was only one option that option was trying something new and working as hard as i could at it and i realized when i was a uni that like there were kids 18 year old doing stuff that i 
I couldn't do and I had to work twice as hard because I had to catch up and I'm still catching up to a certain respect uh, to a certain level to a certain degree and uh, I remember wanting so badly to become independent to be a freelancer at the time and it was unthinkable for me you know so my goal was like <clears throat> get off work in the industry um, trying to do as much as I, can, as I could in the industry until I, I was good enough you know to go freelance I think that was that was my goal at the time and I just loved the grinding the hassling I really did I mean like it was I was working at Lidl at first a horrible job sorry Lidl um, but you guys were crap at the time I'm sure now, now it's better but like it was a horrible job and and I, I was going to uni so I was I'll, I'll go to uni until five then i work from five to midnight a little then i'll go home work on my coursework and then go to bed at two in the morning get up in the morning and so on and so forth that was my life i didn't do anything else i remember like i was so focused i think that was the the, the period in my life i was the most focused because i knew exactly what i was doing i like uni it's easy because uni give you um a line of sight uni says you know you need to do this this and that as long as you're focused on that you'll be fine and if you work hard and you, you'll achieve whatever whatever you want to achieve really um so th that's why i was so focused because if somebody gives you a pathway and it says you know follow this pathway and and you'll be fine then you, all you have to do is just follow the path it's easy yeah. like that so once i realized how uni worked and there is a lot of boxes that you need to tick at uni to succeed and once i realized that it was about learning new stuff as much as ticking boxes because like that's how it's, to me that's how you get the most out of uni it's like you gotta learn you gotta do what they tell you because that's how it works and then you have to hustle on the side to try mm. and learn as much as you can because yeah. that's your time to start mastering something exactly i think that's what what when i was in uni what napier was great at was it wasn't exactly teaching you software skills it was giving you the tools to be like an independent practitioner so you could go and learn these things on your own initiative you know and i think it's easy for people like really talented people to go into uni and, and get great grades but then come out of uni and be, and be kind of stuck because they haven't had that mindset of just continually keep learning new things or keep pushing yourself because you can go into uni and you can just write papers and, and be really good at academic writing and, and you can get through uni doing that way but you're not setting yourself up to, to come out with the most skills so I think it's when you're, you need to have desire like you do desire to learn things and to grind and to to do the work but also desire to, to keep learning and to you know to be yeah. the best that you can be yeah i agree i mean like, i think like uni uni is designed to get to so that everybody can get along with it you know and like it's just the way it is um they need students to go have a good experience and learn out of this and like it i can tell the uni is designed like that and, and it's fine it's the way it should be but also, it's really up to you to make your own fortune. Like to, you have an amazing opportunity. You have the gift of time when you're at uni. And even if you're working hard, right? Because you're hustling or whatever. Because you need to, you need to pay for, for your living. If you're trying to have a little bit less fun, saying with your mates and go out and get, you know, drunk and stuff. I was too old for that anyway. 
and you focus a little bit more on your craft and what you learn and what you, you might like or not like, oh boy, you can set yourself for like success, but you need to have it. I've seen those of 18 years old that could not care less, yeah. but that's because they were not motivated yeah. and they, they might have not liked uni or they might have not liked what they were doing. It felt like they were going against the tides sometimes, yeah. you know, and I was like, why are you even here? You know, you're wasting your time. But like then I think back when I was 18 <coughs> and my mindset wasn't really fully firmed yet. And I remember wasting a lot of time. But also I remember loving movies so much. I would spend hours and hours and hours watching anything, really. I watched anything and I would just spend time analyzing the script, analyzing the, uh, the shots because I wanted to become a movie director so badly. And I remember being very dedicated to that but also i was playing warcraft 3 online you know like and also sometimes i would just hang out with my friends and do bugger all for days you know not, not going to the lectures because i was young and so how did you find uni when you were in this kind of new environment new culture um you know animation a lot of software skills that need to be learned at such a rapid pace you are yeah. behind the curve in age a little bit are you like <clears throat> when i was at when i was when i started uni after effects wasn't really a thing yet it was like there was there were some bits and pieces you can find online and there were so like like video co-pilot at a time it had a few tutorials mm. and then it was like other places but it was like barely anything and it was all about visual effects you know yeah. rarely was about motion graphics itself and to be fair it was a very limited piece of software it was a good piece of software but still very limited yeah. compared to what it is today. i mean what yeah. you can do today with after effects it's mind-blowing yeah. but i remember seeing uh, those kinetic typography uh, videos do you remember yeah i remember seeing them too uh, yes and i remember in 08 seeing those videos thinking oh my god how did they even do this? Mm. You know? And I was like, can I learn this? And I remember um, getting Adobe um, After Effects as soon as I realized that was the software they started using. And I just started playing with it. And I did uh, all the tutorials I could find. And at the time, we were really limited. Literally, like... Oh, God. <laughs> it was like E.C. Abrams? Yes. No, no, even. Easy was Abrams was not even. No, wow. no, no, no. I'm talking okay. about like there were barely any tutorials at the time. And um, there were a few and were like terrible. <laughs> like Grayscale Gorilla at the time, Nick Campbell. Um, he was great. He was the best in town at the time. Oh, but he still is, but now he does more cinema it's for more D. cinema for D now, yeah. yeah. But at the time, he was the guy to go, and he had some very good After Effects tutorials. I, I would say that at the very beginning, when I was at uni, I learned loads from his tutorials. And the first coursework was a digital video coursework, so you had to make a video. You know, you had to... I made a mockumentary, and the intro was a kinetic typography, an animated mm -hmm. um, kinetic typography video. And I remember having so much fun with it, man. I was like, this is this is good you know I, I really enjoyed it and my tutor at the time was blown away because nobody was really using After Effects at uni it was such a new it, it wasn't a new software because After Effects has been around for ages but there were a very limited few that knew it mm -hmm. you know it was like Nuke when it came out only yeah. a very limited few knew it and then I just started enjoying it more and more so like 
I would do all my other coursework and I would still do After Effects on the side. You know, I would do a tutorial every week. Sometimes I would do two, three tutorials a week. Even if I had barely any time, that's what I would do. Just because I wanted to learn the software. And as you say, you know, you need a little bit of, of time to learn it. It takes, it, it, it's, 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 you can learn the basics very fast, very quickly, but like if you want to go more into detail, then yeah, it takes a bit longer. And that's it, pretty much. Like I just used uni as an excuse to use After Effects. That's it. That that's beca that became the game. You know, if I could yeah. use After Effects in my coursework, I would. <laughs> you know, it's like, and um, and and that kind of like put the whole After Effects thing on the map for uni as well. They start realizing that yeah. more and more kids are getting interested in it. Yeah, because you graduated two years after or before I did. So I graduated in. Uh, I think 2011. I was done in 2010. Oh, well then, three, four years. But yeah, well, I remember when I went into because I did interaction design. And yeah. One of the modules was was motion graphics as well. Um, but that was all After Effects. There was nothing, no other animation suite in there at all. It was just After Effects. It was After Effects 101. That's what that yeah. whole module was. And it's crazy to see, like, I think maybe two, three years prior, that didn't exist. Like, no. There was no After Effects at one one one. We had Flash. Ah, we had a bit of Flash too, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but I saw learned the basics of animation Flash, so frame to frame animation. We we had Flash and Flash is a very powerful tool if you if you're very good at drawing, you know. Yeah. And I sucked at drawing, sadly. Well, that's kinda of leads us nicely into a uh, another yeah. topic because um you being quite a passionate guy when you kind of put your mind to something you tend to, to see it through and um as you said, drawing was not one of your strong points. So could you talk us through this this project you had to teach yourself to draw with post-it notes? Yes. So um, as I said, drawing wasn't really my thing. I was I really sucked at it. And But in a way that, you know, when you're young and you see other people being better than you and you think, oh, I just don't have the talent. But actually, it's all about the practice, you know. And... Um, so what I decided is, okay, the best way to learn how to draw is to do it every day. Not a chance I'm going to sit down and do it every day. So I forget about it. Unless I have a goal. And the thing is, I started, um, I had that Instagram just came out on Android at the time. And I, I just started using it. And I loved Instagram. Oh, sorry. At the beginning. And I just wanted to get better at drawing so badly. So... I decided to give myself a limit, a limitation, which was a post-it. And I decided to wanting to draw, draw a face every day. And that face would represent my day or a person that I had met that day. That's it. And so I started drawing every day. And the first <laughs> faces I drew, like, sucked. But I realized that... Uh, I could get. I was getting better. Do you know when you start something and you suck really badly, and then you do like you do it a little bit, of, a little for a little bit. You know, you put a little bit of effort into it, and you do, you make that leap, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh wow, I'm getting a lot better already. Yeah. And then you plateau until mm -hmm. like you make the next step, which yeah. it's, it feels like forever, and then it gets that plateau time gets like longer and longer yeah. and longer until it might get unbearable. And you give up. So at the time, I, mean, I started making some quite big leaps. And I was like, oh, look, I can actually now look at somebody else's work and I can I can copy it without copy it. Like, meaning, like, I would just look at it and then redo it. And then I was like, this is not nice. I want to create something new. So, like, 
very early on, I started say, thinking, seeing all the things as reference and ideas, and then I would just get my head down and start doing my own phases, my own style, and and that just developed and, and changed. And then I started to abode this thing called Pro Markers, which are like they are, I think they are alcohol based or the acid based. I don't know, but they, like they create a nice shade. So mm. like if you color once, it's, it's a shade. You color again, it's a shade darker. Yeah. And then um, you can start doing shading so like I, I, you can buy like a darker gray so you color normally and then you add a shade of darker gray and there you go so you can make those phases looks a little bit more three-dimensional so i started to play with colors and i did this every day for two years and as a byproduct of that <clears throat> my instagram account sort of like blew up in a very mm -hmm. small way like i started to get people really really involved liking those faces so much I started getting kids. They would send me DMs with their with their own faces, their own drones, wow. drawings, and then they were like they comment all the time, and and they were like, you know, I, they felt like they could do it too. And I was like, wow, this that's, is really cool. So cool. And I was like, look at this thing, this Instagram thing, man. This is this is fantastic. So like, I got I got really addicted to Instagram. I mean, I was spending hours and hours a day. Uh, so I would post and then I would talk to other people. I had my Instagram friends, you know, other artists that were doing daily projects as well. And it was really good fun. Uh, but then I got to a point where I felt like, you know, like Forrest Gump, right? He's running and then all of, all of a sudden he stops. He turns around and he's like, I'm going home. Yeah. I felt like that. So I've done it every day. I, I drew like 700 of those and I got to a point and I was like, ah. Which was its course. I've done. Yeah. What's wow. next? And I just stopped. And also, I needed to curb my Instagram addiction because it was eating up. Well, I, re I remember you had fun, like there was fantastic engagement where you would like you know draw one of these faces on a big cardboard box and then mm -hmm. leave, leave it in Princess Street, and then people, yeah, would, you know, and then, <laughs> yeah, I had to stop because a lot of people pointed out that you can't leave a box in town. You can't just go somewhere, have a big box leave it and go away yeah that's a bit f like this day now when you think back on it you're like yeah. well in hindsight it's a wonderful thing but <laughs> yes hindsight is a wonderful thing somebody <laughs> commented i remember somebody found the box or like just let's give some like context so i would put t-shirts stickers and uh, all the goodies into those boxes and leave them in town and then somebody would find the box and open it and like it was just like a way for me to to speak to random people you know, and a little bit of a marketing stunt if you want. And uh, one person commented, oh, yeah, we found this box. And originally we thought it was a bomb. And I was like, <laughs> that got me like thinking. And I was like, wait a second. Can you even do this? And I don't think you can uh -oh. drop a box anywhere in town these days without wow. freaking people out. So I had to stop doing it. Uh, but it was good fun until it lasted. I left like four or five. And at the time... I think the Instagram algorithm worked differently. So I remember like I would put like an image out and I had like 2,000 or 3,000 followers and I would get 800 likes or I would get 600 likes. Mm -hmm. It was a complete different, like now yeah. you need thousands of people following you to get to that amount or you need a very dedicated fan base. And I had it because I was posting every day. So, you know, when they say consistency, consistency works. Yeah. So I posted every day. My fan base was very dedicated. And then I got to about 8,000 followers and Instagram, um, 
on our circle of friends, one person got in the Instagram promoted account. So that when you sign up to Instagram, you get a list of promoted accounts you can follow. And they put you on that list for a week and you get thousands yeah. of followers, right? And when they do that, they ask you if you have somebody you know that you can promote for this list. And so above and behold, slowly but surely, like in, in our group of friends, you know, we all kind of got it at one point. And that's, that took me from 8,000 to like 22,000. But it wasn't really like, it kind of, I don't know how good it was because it kind of diluted the audience. Because like mm -hmm. I had very dedicated audience. Yeah. And then I had this other like two times, three times as much that they weren't dedicated. Yeah. They just saw you as the so first account. As I follow this dude. Yeah. And like I was making drawings, like post-it drawings, you know, like you have really had to like it. Yeah. So like that kind of like, I don't know, I don't know what happened, but like on the same time, the algorithm changed and like people were seeing my posts less. And I don't know if that dumped a little bit the fact that maybe I, was, I wasn't getting as much engagement as I was getting before and I was not ready to grind even more because I was getting to the end of the project. Yeah. So I was like, okay, maybe this is the time to stop. Yeah. In hindsight. I should have continued because right now Instagram is this big behemoth and like, you know, you can make huge amount of cash out of it and whatever. But like money has never been the thing. Like I've done it for fun. And, yeah. and when the engagement was there, it was great. It was like talking right. to people was lovely. I mean, you built this fantastic thing that, that wasn't there before. And like yeah. it's a very distinctive style as well. So you've, you've sharpened this kind of, this point, you know, you've got an extra arrow in your, in your quiver now, you know, so you can do yeah. illustrations. It's fantastic. So that was one long project. You're a man for, for many projects. <laughs> yeah, um, I like a project. You do like a project. And there's one that I know personally because I've tried only, like, you know, only a couple of videos, but this daily vlog challenge oh, thing. Oh, daily vlog. These, my vlogging is tough, and you did it for a really long time. At least 75, so you have three months, give or take. Yeah. And that's um, long in vlog days, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that in vlog days. Yeah, I think, like, they, I, I did not have a white hair before vlogging but after <laughs> vlogging um, do you know what I, I really feel for these YouTubers that they do it every day for years because it grinds you it grind your life become the vlog and like my wife and I we just we talked about this and our life was never going to be part of the vlog so she, she she's a very private person and so am I although you wouldn't say but like our private life wanted wanted to, uh, we wanted to stay private yeah so it wasn't a family vlog it was going to be a, a work vlog and it, it takes imagine this right you walk and wherever you go in your life every day during the day you have a camera with you okay and you have to use this camera and you have to have something to say to the camera so imagine this, you're, you're doing something and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I should film this. So the camera comes out and whatever, you're alone with your friends or doing whatever it is that you're doing, the camera comes out and you have to perform. And you have to do this multiple times during the day because you have to film a good, like, I would say a good couple of hours to get a good 10 minutes out of your day. And you always have something to say. And something always has to happen. Otherwise, it's you talking to camera and nothing is happening. So you become planning your life around the vlog. So you'll say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do this. So I have this that I can film. I can say this. And, it, like, you know, the vlogging becomes like telling a story of this the way it should be. 
and like the biggest bloggers like Casey Neistat recently, which was a good a good influence and great influence. He's like that. He tells a story every day. So once you start tuning your life towards that, <clears throat> then three months is enough for you to change your behavior. It was a great challenge because you felt like you felt this tremendous achievement every day, this sense of accomplishment because you put video out every day. But on the other hand, six hours of the day were gone because it takes about one to two hours to edit. And I'm pretty fast at editing because after you do it for like 30 days in a row, you're like this. Mm -hmm. And I was already decent at editing. I'm not saying I was good at editing, but like I was decent at editing already. And I'm pretty fast at it. So one hour to two hours, I could bang it out. And then it's like posting on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. The publishing side thing takes about another hour. Then it's like the filming, about two hours, take off your day, but like you're already doing stuff, but then you're filming. And then you have to work. Like imagine you have like a tight deadline, but you have something you got to work on that is important and it's pending. You just stressed. And I'm a stressy person already. If you, if you add that on top of it, it can tip you off balance. Mm -hmm. So after 70 something episodes, I felt like, this was seriously affecting my life. And if at the end of the day, I do animation and my, my work consists of 12 hours in front of the computer every time I'm working on a, on a project, you know? Like there's only, there's only so much that is interesting for people to watch. And I couldn't say, okay, I'm gonna do something every day just for the vlog because once I was doing projects that required two weeks of work, solid work, that's it. You know, you're not gonna get out. You're not gonna vlog in your pajama either. You know, you can you can get have a shower, get ready and, and look a bit tip top for ten minutes, but then you're like seriously you're not seeing any other humans, you're just focusing on your job, especially if you're working from home. And it, it became um, it it wasn't viable anymore. It was it was a combination of not having enough to show, not wanting to perform all the time, and also the sheer amount of time it takes out of your life to do the vlog. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed it. Because as I say, I love to perform. I'm a show off, although I'm an introvert somehow. <laughs> it's like I, I need to like I, I do stuff and then I disappear to re recharge my my batteries and then I come back, perform, yeah. and then I'm like I need to disappear. Yeah. And <clears throat> so it, 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 like, when you have to perform all the time, it just gets to you. And I really feel for these people that YouTube is their life because they really they're they're like a plugged to this big machine that requires yeah. their energy and hips and bounds of energies and they have to post every day because otherwise the algorithm doesn't favor you or doesn't even give you a chance and that means that you will be it's like the worst job ever I've, like there's a lot of kids that wants to become youtubers but i don't think they have any idea of the amount of it's work also hard i'd never know as well with their new policies the new youtube's new policy with the yeah. what, you need ten thousand subscribers you need so many hours of watched yeah. content so there's people out there that are living that life but are seeing, are seeing zero reward for it as well i mean if you're doing it just for the money you are doing it. yeah and for me again it was never about the money i was banned from google ads anyway and um, that's for a <laughs> that's a silly story, but I was banned for Google Ads anyway, so I couldn't make any money. So for me, it was never about let's make some dough. Yeah. It was only about I want to try and do this because I want to get better at video and editing. But once you realize that you all you're doing, you're churning content out, you're not giving yourself a chance to get better at video. Yeah. Because all you're doing is like filming anything, 
and that's not you know to get better at something you really need to um how do you, it's a consistent effort and it's um how they say it but uh, there is a way of saying it sorry it just doesn't come mm-hmm. to me now but you, you need to make that effort and, and the training is not just about training it's about you know being smart or how you yeah. train and how you do so it's about you know if you're training if you want to get better at video it's all about lighting well, learn how to how to light properly yeah exactly but it seems like you've, you've been picking up projects that are ultimately growing your skill set so they're not just kind of like oh it's vanity projects no. you know where like you're just making something to to post it's like look how cool this looks it's like yeah what you posted those looked great but their purpose was to to help you get better or something you know and i think that's really great yeah uh, and it shows an audience that it can be done absolutely i mean like everybody everybody if you if you got time you know even 10 minutes a day you can learn something you can do something I, for me it's all about it's always about getting that extra value from something you do mm-hmm. for myself <coughs> and like drawing was about getting better at drawing blogging was about getting better at blogging also like there's always an, an aspect of I am an independent professional so I need to promote myself yeah and like blogging every day puts you in somebody's you know radar yeah. or like drawing every day puts you in somebody's radar so it's like there was also that aspect you know they're not not gonna lie it was also a marketing aspect or and and it's also about learning all these tools because when a client comes to me and you know animation is the main thing i do is what i sell because it's easier to sell that way because if you say i do a little bit of everything yeah you're getting yeah. you're not gonna get the jobs you're, not, you're gonna get the jobs but it'll be a little bit tougher if you say i, I animate I'm, i do motion graphics yeah then you have a packet that you can give to uh, somebody i can give you money for it yeah you're selling you have something to sell so like in my in that respect animation is the main thing i do but i also do other things and i, I i'm happy i love, love to do branding and whenever i get a branding job i am so happy about it's like it's something i i'm learning yeah and something i can <clears throat> i can do well with i realized and i enjoy that so doing all these things throughout my life taught me that like you know you can use video in a certain way to promote a certain brand it's not for everybody it requires effort but like if you're keen on pushing your brand out there as a solution and like instagram is about consistency it's about style and how do you use that for a brand we need to have a conversation because it's also about is that the real the the, the better the better tool for you to tell your story you know so it's all about talking to the client and understanding what they're after and what they're keen to do or not do you yeah. know it yeah. requires effort so <clears throat> doing all these things allowed me to learn more stuff i had no idea of yeah and like that's why i'm starting the podcast as well you know it's called adventures in the creative uh, industries and i'm launching it in, the, in a couple of weeks Shame, shameless plug and again <laughs> it's like podcast is this big thing now again after it was a big thing in all six and all seven yeah yeah it's definitely come coming back around and like i want to learn about this so probably be clients out there they'll need podcasting yeah. for some reasons i like being proficient at it and understand it and see what the value is where the value is which i i think i i do understand how you can use this um let's say in a communication in a pr and and advertising and marketing way but like i need to learn more i need to know more i suck at this yeah. so i need to get better um <clears throat> so for me it's always that it's jesus do something that can make you better and you can learn more and then once you know more you can definitely sell those skills to people that don't have the time to, yep. to try this stuff because they're running a business so yeah they have other things they're interested in excellent 
I think it's awesome. I think it's just being proactive. You know, like, you know, forcibly making yourself to be better. That's yeah. Like, I think having deadlines or having, like, you know, you need to put out something every week or every day or whatever way that format may take shape. Yeah. Having that kind of, that vision kind of forces you to, to act on it. What about you? What What's the, what's your approach to this usually? Oh, man, I'm, I'm not the, the <laughs> a role model for, um, for taking work on and, you know, um, considering work loads correctly, I tend to just go with the flow. Um, I love learning new stuff. Like I know bits of motion design. I, I I'm primarily a logo designer, but I just like doing things. You know, I like creating things, podcasts, creative points, doing animation, doing three D stuff. So um, I never set myself a goal. I just try and make sure that I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and um, I've been guilty of taking on projects and and doing them so much that I've stopped enjoying them getting to that plateau maybe where you kind of get to a stage and you're like well this is this is cool and all but it's getting a bit tough or it's getting a bit too hectic so yeah I don't really have a process I just kind of say all right well I'm really shit with custom typography so I'm going to learn how to do that I'm going to like there's a project in work that we're going to get some canvases and sell them for um, charity and I'm like you know what fuck it I'm just going to get this canvas and I'm, I'm going to draw some type on it and now that I have I have to do that like that's sitting there and that's someone is potentially going to buy that and there's a deadline on that I'm like fuck well I need to yeah. I need to get good well I need to get decent enough where someone will buy this and it's just do that it's just finding the time because life is you know everybody's different and you know everybody's busy and everybody's got commitments but um it's just trying to find that balance, you know, and trying to find that balance to be creative as well as just be a healthy, functioning adult as well. Because you know, in our industry, it's it's almost expected for people to just to grind and just get it done and work crazy hours where it's not healthy, you know. So my outlook on it now is uh, from the last like ever since I've I've um ever since I got my degree, I've been killing myself slowly with work and learning things and just being all go but the last month or so I've realised that I need to not be so concerned about what other people are doing and where my skills are in relation to other people because it's not a healthy outlook to have but everybody is different yeah if you want to look at like from um, like, like if you want to remove the bullshit right and talk about talk seriously about mental health and how to work in the creative industry i think this culture of grinding and hassling continuously uh, is is killing us softly mm. oh yeah sometimes less softly um I, I i don't know like i pay the price of this on myself but i also reap the benefit yeah so i have i have worked incredible amount of hours for about six seven years where I'm, I'm saying like i was a uni i was working i was freelancing i mean i had no time for anything else yeah. i barely had a life um I, I i had chance to like you know to do other things of course i'm not saying i was just working so i had you know i was dating and i, well, I had friends and you know throughout my path um, it's been it's been good and i learned i met so many wonderful people like edinburgh is beautiful i love this place so much but um the end of the day 
there's only so much you can do with your you, your bandwidth is limited yeah 100 man yeah and like i burned out at least a couple of times yeah and like burnout kills me because like i tend i had to work really hard to stay balanced in my life so just to not be depressed or not to be uh, overly excited because if i i tend to overly excite about stuff too much and what happens when, I, when i'm overly excited about something is i pour myself into it disregarding like time disregarding energies i just do it until yeah. then i can't anymore yeah and burnout has been a big deal for me in the past and i have to be more conscious and smarter the way i use my time and that's something i'm learning as a goal really um, for 10 years for me it was all about working and after those 10 years i realized that um that's silly you can't just do that and i i really think that you need a, the, the more balanced you are like if you find a way to have some free time and other other habits and other uh, things you're interested in it re, you recharge your batteries and then you can be better at your job yeah. i really think that but i am so guilty of disregarding that time off mm -hmm. and focusing solely on work and spending time um <laughs> on preparing for work and then maybe spending time with my wife do you know like it that's not that's not healthy you need to find the balance especially if you have a family um i'm getting better at it but yet again sometimes i book two jobs three jobs then requires my my whole time for a month you know working weekends working evenings and that's yeah. not healthy i think as well it's like it's like you say like you've been taking on projects to help yourself get better it's yeah. almost like you need to book yourself like you know a mental health project where you like have this deadline like guess what i'm not going to fucking work for six months like you know i'm not going to kill myself <laughs> yes. for six months and then i'm going to be better at looking after myself it's like that's you can almost apply that same mentality yeah you know <laughs> yeah the mental health project which is not working it's like just not taking stuff so seriously or like yeah. take falconry yeah you know? <laughs> go yeah. out in the wild and uh, do something like new therapy i think therapy everybody should do therapy i think it's, yeah, it's, yeah, that's something you've, yeah, you've done. yeah i think therapy you need it because we are in a time and age where like oh man i said that cliche sentence but <laughs> isn't that trope the you need to to be able to talk to somebody um that is there to listen and you need to be able to be yourself because the problem is we are so worried about what other people think about us yeah and we trying to perform to what they think about us and that is soul destroying after in a long after a long while and when it's like you know on a day-to-day -day basis you meet you meet your people you meet your friends you meet your work colleagues or whatever and you perform fine but like then you go home you got instagram you got facebook yeah and you gotta be in a certain way otherwise you're not like you you have to be present somehow and that is i think that uh, long term that kills you yeah just it's it's that thing as well being a creative like you know you just see like because obviously instagram facebook twitter like you know we're in this age of mass fucking yeah. social media like information is everywhere so you go home and you've been working really hard you, you load up instagram and you're probably like me you follow a lot of creatives that you, yeah, yeah you get inspired by and you're like wow these these dudes are so much further ahead than i am. oh man you know soul destroying as you well. know and you've been just You've been killing yourself for the whole month, and you're like, "Fuck, what's the fuck? This guy's just doing way better than me," you know? <laughs> oh god, uh, yeah. I mean, I can't. There's so many animators that's so much better than me, 
then it's just the way it is. I like, but also you're seeing some other people a game. You're you're constantly uh, comparing yourself to them. And some of those animators have been in the industry for twenty years, yeah. you know, fifteen years, and like I'm so far behind. And as a designer, there'll be designers that've been out there, they've been designing since they were twelve, and by the time they're thirty. <laughs> Yeah. They have more experience yeah. than a forty-year-old in the industry. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And you don't see the you don't see the hard work that goes on behind that stuff. They could be running themselves into the ground for months doing a piece of animation. Absolutely. You know? Like you, you know, that is also very true. You don't know how long how long people spend on those projects. I mean, what I know is, clients come to me with a very strict deadline and a very strict budget, and you got to make it work for the time you have available, the time they can rent you for. And you can't be stupid about it or you're going to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And when, you t- when you're 20, you're out of uni and you're trying to make a name for yourself, fine. But even then, there is there are limitations. And some of the pieces of animations you see out there, the best ones that I like, they're like 10, 15 animators on it. You know? Yeah. This yeah. is me, by the way, trying to make myself feel better. Eh? <laughs> but like, <laughs> like 10, 15 animators on it. And they all done like a, a little piece and took like two weeks to do like five seconds animation. Yeah. Do you know how many, how many? Like I need to do three minutes in two weeks. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like that's what I'm, that's that's what I'm fighting against. Yeah. And um, so you, you need to be smart. Like at the end of the day, you're a business. You're running a business and there's only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you have to make a certain amount of money to pay your bills and, and, and survive. But also you need to be creative. You have good ideas. But, <clears throat> you know, I also realized that um, a, a lot of time it happened that I killed myself doing some beautiful, well-crafted five seconds of animation for somebody on, on a 60 seconds animation thing. And then I get the email when they, I've been asked to tone it back, you know, like, can you just do like a, like a little fade in, fade out? And like when that happens, it's always so <laughs> destroyed yeah. as well. It's one of those things that you're like, oh man, I spent so much on doing that little transition there. Motherfucker, I need to <laughs> remove it now. Ah, so th- there is also that you know that you. It's all about understanding your client, what they need, what you can do for yeah. them. And at the end of the day, it's never ever about how good your animation is. It's about the story you're telling. Yeah. And I see so many beautifully crafted pieces of animation that really not doing anything. So it's like it's it. You need to strike that balance. And uh, that that's the most important thing, I think. Like, this, the storytelling aspect of an animation, even if you're promoting a new app or a new service and they need, like, an hour works, 60 seconds, one minute, two minutes video, more so on these videos. You know, you need to, need to be clear. You need to have the gift of clarity, for God's sake. So, like, th- there are different aspects. But, yes, some of the stuff that is out there is amazing and some people they can do in, in five hours stuff that you can't do in two days mm. and that's just the way it is that's some people are life. better yeah that's yes. just life it's always going to be life. that way yes so for as a designer it's so destroying um again i'm loving this soul destroying soul crashing but when you go out and you see an instagram account of a good designer um you you just sometimes you just want to cry to sleep you know because you never <laughs> you're never gonna get that good or you will get that good by five years time, you know. Yeah, but that's that's all part. But of that's the okay. Journey. It's all no, part of it. Again, that designer might be might have been designing for twenty years. Yeah, you know. And I I'm st- I'm getting to that point where you just need to appreciate the fact that somebody can make something so beautiful, regardless of where your skill set. Is I at. think that's a good a good um 
a good way to look at it just sure. learn from it use it as a reference yeah you know? exactly and trying to make something that uh it's better maybe or trying to to learn from it yeah you know i think that's the best thing to look at it and sometimes <clears throat> those beautiful pieces of what is what fuel your fire yeah to get better but you can't just compare yourself to them because that doesn't do you any good stop comparing yourself cool man i think i think that's a good mantra to have yeah especially in this industry as well where it's you know everybody's work is under the spotlight and everybody has to have portfolio and this and that <laughs> and, you know everybody's looking oh yeah. man it's it's also very subjective imagine you're a photographer and you're out there comparing your portfolio with the best photographer around and the problem is that you are competing with these photographers yeah. for some of the projects. Yeah. Imagine you're like competing against like, I don't know, David Borney, or you're competing against like Telfer, yeah. and you're you're a new photographer, and you, like, where do you even start? You know, yeah. like these guys have been around for twenty years. Yeah. Some of them. And the thing is with that kind Robbie of Robbie Smith, you know, you know. Uh, that kind of industry as well photography hasn't exactly changed that much in 20 years not like motion graphics has or you know the like designs like you know motion graphic design has is been relatively new you know? yeah but like it's all digitized now like i yeah. know like photography is still about getting in the ca getting on a camera and taking a good shot you know yeah so there's people out there that are still like you know 30 40 years in the game that are still kicking ass my god that's it and then when you're competing to these guys and these guys are in scotland yeah. you know good luck yeah <laughs> it's like know. it's tougher um but also like you know design has been around since the history of man really and animation has been around as well like in different forms oh, and yeah. i think motion graphics really is um you, you go back i think i would say the motion graphics go back to the ori the origins of movies where they were doing title designs you know some title designs are they're bang on motion graphics. Oh yeah, you look at Solbas. Oh, yeah. he just that, that that he was the reason I got into design. But there you go. You know, Solbas. It wasn't his motion work. I thought his motion work was fantastic. But I seen some of his logos and I'm yeah. like, wow, can you get paid to do that? Yeah. Yeah, of course you can. That's like someone's job. Look, fuck off. No really. And that was me, I was sold. I was like, Well no, I want to start making stuff like that. That's so amazing. Yeah, you know, but that guy was just so. I think they did that all with their hands. Even that's the, even the thing. that even that's that motion work, it's like you know you can you could probably bash together like a soul bass piece on your computer in a half an hour because it's literally just so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, but that guy was cutting stuff out and placing it and frame by frame. Yeah, move, oh. it, move it a little bit more. Yeah, I mean like stop stop motion animation. Then. Oh, it's incredible. But like there's also the Monty Python's, you know, yeah. Monty Python's like the the, the 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 titles. Those were like pretty much motion graphics I yeah mean, there's a whole style of motion graphics that basically rip that off so but you're not competing with them you're competing with the lo the people locally and yes you could argue that you can get a job worldwide then you're competing with the best guys out there but also like, i really like to work face to face with my clients i enjoy like working on the project together and trying to get a to the right place together so i think for me local the local aspect of my job is one of my was one of the favorite things i thought so for me meeting the client um or the art director i'm going to work with in the agency yeah um it's very important it's that personal aspect that 
a crave in this. Um, yeah. Sometimes working online is great and you can get a very good relationship with someone over email and over the phone. And I have some of those relationships, but with some of my clients, but then you always end up meeting up, you know, having a come when they come up to Scotland, go for a pint or whatever. So it's good to have that feeling, that, that relationship. So yeah. Awesome. And what was that about freelance that you, like you, were you adamant when you were in uni that you did not want to work at an agency? Um, do you know what? Like I really liked working in an agency. Working in an agency is like a, an accelerator for your career. Because you work client client side, you'll be doing one thing over and over again. So you can you can really grow that brand. Like if you have any say, of course. If you don't have a say, then you're just doing the same thing over and over again. But um, the agency, you, you will get thrown into the thick of it straight away, you know. And you'll have so many different projects you have to, to bash on, really. You've got to get it out the door quick. And that really, like, accelerate your learning and your skills. And it's like you are constantly doing, you know. Especially if you work in an agency that is quite um, busy in that respect. Mm. So I think, <clears throat> but you do have to have an open mind, especially if you're doing animation, because you're going to end up doing a little bit of animation, a little bit of design, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah which is a good way to learn more more things. But the agency, at the end of the day, sometimes you might work like 10 hours, 12 hours a day for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And you're not really doing it for you. You're doing it for somebody else. And I, I just got to a point where like, although I enjoyed working in agency and, and it was great because of the people around me. I mean, like everybody's creative. Everybody's like built of a nuthead. So it's like, it's fun to work in an agency. Um, I, I would advise everybody that wants to get in the industry to, 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 to try and do a couple of years in an agency instead of just working client, client side. But um, after a while, it's a make or break, really. Uh, the agency squeeze you a little bit like a lemon in a way that you're going to work so much. And then the thing I don't, re I don't understand is like, you know, you work 10 hours for three weeks and then for a week you don't have a project. And you're gonna stand st stick around the office anyway and you're gonna get given like a random project anybody else can do it and i'm like i just worked so hard for you for three weeks just give me a couple of days off man mm. i mean why why is it not that thing yeah um anyway i just realized that i needed i, ne I wanted to build something for myself so i enjoyed the agency life but i think being a freelancer you're basically your own business and although it's not like running a business because that ties a whole different set of rules and regulations, but being a freelancer is a close cousin uh, of being a, of running a business. And at the end of the day, you, you become the business. And that's when you need to really, you know, pull all the stops. And because you're going to have to advertise yourself, you're going to have to brand yourself mm -hmm. and you're going to have to be in a certain way. And like then, like, how do you differentiate yourself from the mass? You know the way you are and being your own business it means that your personality pays into it yeah and some people they're not made for being freelancers because being freelancers is really stressful because you're doing your own taxes you're doing your own admin you're doing your own marketing and uh, again you've got to be going to meetings meet people and you'll have to, you i like some people some freelancers pitches they don't no, sorry they pitch for, for projects I don't pitch that much. I usually, I'm lucky enough that I've been doing it for, for enough time that people give me a call and say, hey, I need this animation done. 
can do it or I need, I've got this branding project, so I've got this assignment project and then I get, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I can, sometimes I get to choose what I want to do. <clears throat> but I think there is advantages in both. I mean like at the agency life is great and it's fun and the freelance life you get the freedom but that comes with the fact that you never ever shut down. So let's say you work for a client, so you're, you're in-house, you finish at 5 p.m., you go home, you're done. If you get entangled in office politics or whatever, and you go home, you're still thinking about somebody being a dick to you, then it's a problem because then you're not shutting down. But otherwise, you, you go home, 5.30, whatever, shut down, finish, see you tomorrow morning. You work for an agency, you might work a little bit later. Sometimes you go home, you're still a bit stressed about the job, but you can shut down. Yeah. If you're a freelancer, you're 24-7, you're on holiday, you're not on holiday, you're not working. Um, so it's a different kind of mentality, you know, and you need to find them, them, the strength to be able to say, I'm going on holiday, fuck it. Because you might get a project and you'll have to say no to that project. Yeah. And it takes a while to get there, but once you do, then it becomes a little bit more like a job, but you never shut down. You're always on. So you need to like that aspect if you want to become a freelancer. And you know, because you tried being a freelancer for a while, haven't you? Yep, I definitely tried, yeah, and um, maybe too early in my career for that, or I wasn't, I didn't equip myself with the right tools because it was incredibly stressful and incredibly. So, what did you find most stressful about finding clients? And I wasn't, I was at the position where maybe I didn't have as much experience as I needed. Um, but again, like, I suppose it's down to um, not to blame anybody, but like different different priorities for different people. I. I had a young son and my wife was at home and I don't think she was working at the time either so it would be like I need to fucking get projects in or else I will not be able to provide for my son so it like the the stakes were so high and I just really stressed me out when you know you would do a project and you'd be chasing payments and I was at that stage like no my son is too young for me to be chasing money like this I need to just get something that's going to be stable for a few years and then I can maybe have a more calculated approach at going back freelance but timing was wrong for me but really really stressful and I mean I have nothing but respect for people that are living like that are living freelance and they're generating work and they're and they're just fighting the good fight I think it's fucking amazing but it is you're dead right it's not for everybody and it's really really hard yeah um I, I, yeah I know exactly what I mean. I mean, like we all been, we all been through. Well, when yeah. I started going freelance, you know, you you might get one or two months where you're not making money. But like, ha- I also, I really respected that choice, um, especially if you if you have kids, you know, if you've got children, going freelance is a big big choice, mm. you know, and it's stressful and it's extra stressful. Um, so I have huge respect myself for people that have kids that are freelancers. And I met loads of freelancers in the industry that the, the moment they got kids, they, they took a job. Yeah. And it, you know what? Once you're on the other end of freelancing, they, they're always going to be a good job because you, you got the experience. Yeah. You know, you've been churning clients for years. You've been in the thick of it. So I, I'm sure that there'll be loads of agencies or clients that will respect that and they'll give you a good pay. It took me four years to go freelance, you know, before I was like, I had the balls to say, uh, screw this. I'm yeah. going to go do it because I want to try. I want to I want to test myself and see if I can achieve this other, my, the last thing on my to-do list. Um, 
so for people that are struggling i'll say hang in there it will come it takes a couple of years it's like a business like yeah. if you open a business and let's say you 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 it's um it's an it's an okay business right you have a good idea the business is not going to work in the first two years some business do for fair enough but it's going to take that amount of time yeah. to, to grow if you're a services business you need clients so to grow and get those clients if you're a product for people to know your product so it's like for as a, as a freelancer it's the same the first two years will be all about putting yourself out there go to networking events meet people uh, show your skills go do talks talk to like students you know get involved with uni if you can do some learning do some teaching i think like really is that the first two years is tough what i say to everybody that wants to get in the creative industries all the time is like if you're into this industry for the money you're in the wrong place man this is not like if you <laughs> get into finance you know like yeah, make yeah. it to, like go to pensions yeah. somewhere <laughs> it's like because like oh boy um you can have fun and have make a decent amount of money for you to leave for sure i think so but it, it takes time and effort and some people are really talented i'm talking about the ones that really comes easy to them but i've never met one <laughs> Yeah. To be honest, everybody yeah. I met that they're really good, but worked desperately hard at it. Yeah. And I really respect these people. I mean, some of the some of the OGs that we have in the industry here, you know, some of these the people that have been around for years and years, they've been hassling for so long. My God, you need an ungodly amount of patience to make it in this business. So much. I struggle with the amount of patience you need. Really, like if I kept going with the postits, who knows how many followers would have had today? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I thought, who knows why it would have come out of that? But I stopped because I felt it was the right time to stop. And I think it was the right time to stop. You, you achieved what you wanted to achieve. Exactly. But then again, you know, maybe it wasn't. Maybe if I had stuck in there, and maybe if I had said, you know what, it's, yeah, I don't want to, I, I don't want to do it anymore. But maybe if I keep doing it, who knows? But then it would have become a job. Yeah. Then you would have been like, you know, oh dear, Derek, the post-it note guy who does post-it notes for yeah. his living, you know. And then you'd be like, fucking, I wish I could do animation, but I'm too busy fucking drawing the post-it notes, <laughs> yes. you know. Yeah, but like also like shout out to all the illustrators in the world. You guys, so much respect for you. It's like the musicians in this world. That's a tough, tough gig. Mm -hmm. Oh Jesus, yeah. Tough gig. Yeah, it's getting getting harder and harder because you need you need to have a voice you need to have a style that is yours good luck finding a new style that is only yours and your clients need to love your style because otherwise you're drawing something different yeah do you know and there are people some people are thriving and and like marco for instance marco yeah. baby lacqua oh shout he's, out. he's doing shout fantastic out man yeah we love marco shout out to him beautiful beautiful man he he's been hassling for so long. oh that guy now that's one dude who just oh my god walks his ass off jesus christ and he's the sweetest guy open like you know you talk about mental health and he's like he struggled like everybody and it, it like i think you can see that he's is i would i would describe him as a successful illustrator because his work is not it's been seen in the guardian and other like oh, made the biggest yeah, publication yeah. In, in the country but yet it's a hard job. Oh, Jesus Christ. You know, I love you guys. Thank you for your hard work and for making things pretty. But you got it tough. I remember talking to uh, Jordan uh, from uh, Studio Something. Uh, shout out to him as well. All right, good guys. Uh, and we always, we, he always had this theory that it's like, you know, all it takes is one thing to go well. And then people will discover everything else you've done. 
if you've been at it for 10 years, say, and it's the patience again that we yeah. were talking about. And it, we were like, you know, in my example, it was like, you know, well, maybe maybe people will discover the vlogs and then from the vlogs, we'll go and see your post-it and then from the post-it, we'll go and see your animation and then from the animation, we'll go and see something else you've done. The podcast. Yes, then the podcast. And then it's like, so it's like, all it takes is for you to be very, very successful, like, sorry, extremely successful at one thing and then people will discover the body of work you've yeah. done. But like, if you hold, your, hold yourself back and you don't try and do things, you don't work hard at stuff, like there's nothing to discover there. Yeah. Like if you've been thinking about doing something, you never do it, then there's nothing like, yeah. Th- maybe you do one thing and people discover you and you got nothing else to show. Yeah. Like in a way, if you see it, there's like Instagram um, models or, or these Instagram phenomenon, right? When they become phenomenon, they have hundreds of pictures. Oh yeah. So people discover them. There's so much content. Mm. And so that like you, you, you form an idea for the guy or the girl or, or whatever it is. And the project, the meme account, whatever it is, and you're like, oh, there, this, there is something here. Yeah. So I can this this guy is reliant, or it, is, this person it, is is reliable. We're gonna keep exactly. It's like why why up. would you subscribe to a YouTube channel that had one video that was really good? Exactly. You wouldn't because it's Nobody like, well, I've nothing else to watch. There's nothing else to watch. Exactly. That's why it takes consistency and, and patience to make it to make it with your YouTube channel. Like, right. what advice would you give to a twenty year old Eric Ravaglia? Um, go travel see the world do things don't don't think that don't think that the place you're at you are right now that is not your future that is your past what you see now is the combination of what you've done so far if you change what you're doing and you focus on new things then your life will change so if I could go back in time I would just sit down with him and I'll tell him like you know this is not life this is just life up to now. Go and do th- different things. Travel, see the world, meet new people, then make your mind up on what you want to do. Because I think when I was younger, I was too stuck into that small reality that was my life, you know? So I think for me, it would be that. It would be like, this is not it. Go out, like broaden your horizons, and then you'll, you'll see. And then I'll just walk out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> into the sunset. Yeah, into the sunset. Um, yeah. And then I'll tell myself a very important lesson, which will be in 2010, no, sorry, 2008, 2009, this thing called Bitcoin will come out. <laughs> yeah. And like, you, you read about this and you look into it earlier on, stick to it. Yeah. yeah. Get about 10,000 <laughs> and then I'll walk into the sunset, yeah. you know. Right, we're right. out of time. So really quickly, where can people find you? You can find me on ericrva.com, um, Instagram forward slash ericrva. Ericrva is E-R-I-K-R-V-A, which is Romeo Victor Alpha. And uh, everything at ericrva, just Google me and you'll find everything you need. Excellent, dude. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming Thank on again. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it.